Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, good evening and welcome to this week's Morning Podcast, the only rugby podcast that gives you the news, views and opinion with the weekend's rugby action, all with a West Country accent and somebody with a slightly generic home counties accent. Um, you can find us on Twitter. We are at Moreover Podcast. We are Moreover Rugby Podcast on Facebook. You can find all of our content uh, on Apple Pods and Google Store and Spotify and Anchor and lots of other places. Um, we are the West Country Rugby Podcast uh, for people who have watched rugby for a long time that uh, like to have a little bit of a chat about it on a Sunday and Monday night. So uh, thank you for those of you that listen regularly and welcome if this is your first time. Uh, my name's Russ. I am sort of the host-ish of this podcast. If you listened last week, I wasn't here. Thank you to uh, to Doug for steering the ship and all three of you for your, uh, for your kind comments. Um, so without further ado, Doug, welcome. The Lensman, our resident... Hi, Resident Curmudgeon. I'd just like to say um, to all those people who have now stopped listening, thanks for coming. Uh, that was the world's longest intro. I, I always do a long intro. You know that. Um, ben, how are you? Nice, uh, nicest, nicest guy on podcasts. Always fair and balanced. And uh, then there's Phil, Housewife's favourite. No, no groin. Uh, I do have a groin. It's just currently in three different places. Well, that that's another story for another day. I will say, as I say, and that's uh, why it's the housewife's favourite. Absolutely. <laughs> um, like I say, thank you for for last week. Kind words as always. Um, I was listening to the podcast whilst walking to work to Chester, um, or while I was in Chester on Tuesday morning last week. Yeah, no, 56. Wednesday morning, Tuesday in Wednesday. North Wales. Yeah. Um, it's always nice when you miss a podcast. Because you know that you're going to get absolute pelters, and you know standard fat Dan Cole jokes. Um, <laughs> Russ isn't going to make which an is, appearance. 
the greatest nickname of all nicknames. Can you imagine being a fat Dan Cole? Being being Dan Cole would be bad enough, but a fat Dan Cole is yeah. is really really quite something. Um, you'll be pleased to know that I wasn't on Love Island either. Um, but not as pleased as the people on Love Island. I, th- I, you know, I don't think I don't think it would be that bad. I think I that bloke like... in the pub who says, "Listen, mate, give me ten minutes with those birds, and I'll be eating out of the palm of my hand." <laughs> well. No, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> got exceptional, exceptional chat. You I need walk to walk up to him in a bar. They wouldn't be interested. But, oh, if I had him alone for five minutes, putty in my hands, mate. Sometimes you've got to rely on 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 your backup mechanisms, isn't you? And if you if you're not much to look at, you know, the housewife's favourite, you've got to got to have other attributes. You know that, Doug. You know height. You what you lack in height, you make up for in, you know, other ways. People- People have been listening to you on this podcast for nearly four years now. And if you think you can convince any of them that your banter's <laughs> going to pull anyone off love, <laughs> Touche, Ben. Well played. Um, yeah, oh, right. Maybe off my big fat gypsy wedding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, naked attraction. <laughs> I've got, I got, got a mate who works on that. Really? I bet he, I bet he has a right old time. Yeah. Is it any any naked attraction related stories? No, but I'll, I'll see if he's got some for next week. Amazing. I think they do regularly have to stop for erections. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine getting a boner in in that box? I mean, honestly, <laughs> just on on television in front of all those people, you've got someone that's judging, that's that's looking at your piece, and all of a sudden it just starts to get a bit blood in it. I mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable naked attraction. That could be the um, result of this week's podcast. That might get some listeners, uh, some listeners in. That haven't, talking, uh... to, talk, talking to dicks. Andy Goode's been at it, hasn't he? As <laughs> yeah, he just. <laughs> um, I found out when, when Phil, when you replied to to Andy Goode on Twitter earlier, um, I realised that personally, I'm blocked by Andy Goode. No idea why. Yeah. Yeah, he hasn't blocked me despite implying that he is just genuinely a wanker and uh, people who will abuse him because of who he is and not because of the shit he says about Saracens. He is a fat mess, mind, isn't he? Oh, he's he's one of those guys, like, we all know them, who they just say things looking for a reaction. I, I'm pretty sure he doesn't listen to the pod, so I'll say it with no with no concerns, but... Someone who around Yuki would be known as a George Fox. <laughs> and does George Fox listen to the podcast? <sighs> Do you know what? I don't really care. But no, I don't think he but, does. But, but there will be people that get that reference, and, and that's that's yeah. decent. I'm funny in the same in the same breath. Um, but we do need to talk about Nuki in a minute, Ben. Um, Hail Saturday, wasn't it for Nuki? It was, yeah. You you were on the bench? No, no, I wasn't. Oh, sorry, but sorry, but you were finisher. No, no. I... <laughs> <laughs> so, for those of you that don't know, um, and I didn't even pick up on it, Nuki Hornets published their squad list and their team sheet on a Wednesday or a Thursday, or Thursday, I guess, after training. Um, and it just so happens that they've started calling their substitutes finishers in a really pathetic move. I'm, um, I'm going to, I'm going to stop you there, Russ. Um, I like although. That. 
although I was on the team sheet, I uh, I actually didn't uh, play. Oh, oh, what? Good. Disappointing. Um, no, I, I, I got a call um, asking me to be on the bench, and I was like, well, I, I can, but I will literally be there three and a half minutes before kickoff because I had something on in the morning. And uh, they found someone better, but they'd already published <laughs> the um, team sheet. So, uh, <laughs> so who, who did you get pro. dropped for? I think I think it was um, Tyler Croft. So uh, okay. that's uh, did the Cincinnati Bengals tight end. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's making making a move. I mean, I Start, guess he could do a job at fullback. Yeah. So um, so yeah. So although um, I mean, I'm putting it down. I'm putting it down as an appearance. Will it? Will Pete Jolly count that towards your stat? Yeah. Why not? Um, but they won. They won down at Hales. That's a great result. I believe there was a little bit of uh, controversy, but uh, we won't Standard. get into that. Yeah. So, just you mentioned a bit of controversy. Have you seen that video that's doing the rounds on Twitter today of that just mass mass brawl in Wales? In Wales. Yeah. Brilliant. Absolute Mate, Isn't it brilliant? I've got high hopes that when uh, Saracens Exeter in the Premiership is going to turn into that. I was hoping it would be a Champions Cup quarterfinal, but uh, we'll come on to that in in a very small second. Um, Over the weekend, going back through last week's podcast, uh, your local rugby chat around the teams around Cornwall and different bits and pieces, it, it seemed to spur a bit of interest. So I asked on Twitter for some local rugby stories, some you know funny or sad stories. And I don't know if any of you listen to Tailenders or Greg James and Jimmy Anderson and Felix White. Do you guys listen to that? It's a de- decent BBC podcast. No, I do not. I don't, I don't, re- I don't really like podcasts, to be honest. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway, it's quite funny. But they, but they have a, a little section where Jimmy Anderson reads out a story from a member of the public. They call it General Crickets in Sadness. Um, so it's usually obviously sad stories about cricket, but I thought, you know, maybe a weekly, just a weekly story from a listener about their experience with local rugby. Um, fortunately one person sent us in a, uh, <laughs> sent us in a, a DM. So the, for the fact that he took the time to send it in, I'm going to read it. Um, so thank you, Marty, who is a Devon born and bred uh, former airborne indoctrinated man city supporter, married to a woman of Northern Ireland, uh, and an England and Exeter Chiefs rugby fan from Exeter. So uh, thank you for your story, and, and here it is. Um, about 15 years ago, I found myself on the wing, usually an outside centre, for Tavistock Seconds versus Oakhampton, two teams that we've played against previously. You both, I guess you've played against Tavistock and Oakhampton, you two? Yeah, plenty of times. Definitely yeah. Oakhampton, yeah. Um, when was this? Sorry? Uh, about 15 years ago. Yeah, I probably played against them then. Oh, interesting. Well, you might, if you remember this story, then it'd be, it would be tremendous. Um, a local derby that usually threw up a bit of spice here and there. With about 10 minutes to go, I was faced with a one-on-one with my opposite number, a much younger and quicker chap than myself. He had the ball and was clearly about to attempt some, uh, hand, some kind of shimmy or sidestep to get past me. Years of experience took over and I lazily clotheslined him on the chin, which saw both of his feet leave the ground and he unceremoniously landed flat on his back. 
This provoked a fight on the touchline between the respective coaches and substitutes. Uh, feeling quite guilty, I helped the young winger up off the deck and apologised for my reckless action. I could see from the corner of my eye that a red card was being waved at me by the ref, but I was rooted to the spot whilst me and my victim casually watched a violence on the touchline. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's, and that's Marty's story. So, you know, if anyone out there has got any uh funny local rugby stories and fancies chucking them into the dm we'll we'll read one out a week maybe just as something a little bit especially, funny especially if they involve violence violence involve um performance enhancing drugs whilst i don't contone them um you they're know pretty some, they're, they're pretty tasty <laughs> and and could often could often cause uh hilarious uh consequences um yeah, anything really to do with local rugby, and uh, we'll we'll read it out. Uh, right, let's get into some um, Champions Cup type stuff. Uh, like you boys last week, uh, I don't think much rugby was watched over the weekend. So let's kind of focus can I, on can the. I just uh... be the first first to say I'm not really interested in the European Cup this year. I couldn't give two shits. You, you wouldn't be the first one to say that because I said it about three years ago that I think the competition's a waste of my time. Why do you think that? I don't know. I've just never really got into it. It's fundamentally, f- fundamentally unfair. I, don't, I think outside of Leinster, um, Toulouse and Racing and Saracens for this season, no one really stands a chance. So, 60%, maybe 70% of the games don't matter. I mean, I was at, and, and it, I'm not knocking it, I got to go to Treviso this weekend, which, by the way, is a lovely town. If, you, if you're if going to Venice, don't bother go to Treviso. Um, Less water? Only marginally, but yeah, it's just cheaper, cheaper uh, nicer food, birthplace of the tiramisu. Probably less Bellens. Yeah. Unless, 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 unless Leinster in town. Well, yeah, certainly less septics. Um, But where where was I? Yeah. So the Leinster against Benetton is just a point. It's a pointless game. It's pointless. You know, Saints against Exeter in the European Cup quarterfinal is a pointless game because Saints ain't going to put a team out. They're going to write that off. What's the point? Do you think? I, I can't see them turning up just to mail it in. They'll go no, for that, surely. They, no, not with the league how it is. The, the league's the one they want. Because they know, the Saints realistically can't win that competition. So, so if you look at all of the games, you've got, what, six rounds with God knows how many games in it, and then you've got your quarterfinals. And ultimately, the only thing that really matters is once you get to the semi-finals. I, I like, I, I struggle to raise any enthusiasm until you get to the semi-finals. And every time you do get to the semi-finals, I don't really care about the four teams that are in it. I, I think the quarterfinals so it's, it's a, is it. It's a bit like Champions League for me. In the football, I couldn't care less about the Champions League. Literally, could not give two shits about it. Yeah, look, don't get don't get me wrong. I don't know what you're going to say, Ben, because the. the... The quarterfinals is a bit like the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. It's the best weekend of football because you have yeah. all the best eight teams all playing within two days. And it's two days of great rugby, basically. 
but ultimately you don't really care. Do, do yeah. you know? It's good. It's nice to watch, but there's no. I feel like there's no agents agency. It's just, it's just games, isn't it? For the sake of games. I, I think it'd be much better if they just found a way of getting the top 16 sides in Europe. I don't don't really care how you do it. And then just had a straight knockout competition from there on in. And then the next tier actually bring back a proper domestic cup competition so that they can go and do that. Well, on that, on that, with the Saracens news, uh, the thing that sort of might come from that is the formation of a, some sort of league with the top sides who don't have to worry about money. You know, I could see, well, probably not Leinster because of the IRFU stuff, but certainly the money clubs in England and uh, France forming a breakaway thing. You can see that happening now. Because, mm. you know, with with the... We'll get on to the Saracens. Because of the salary stuff, cap stuff, like... Racing don't need to worry about a salary cap nor the Toulouse and clearly nor the Saracen. So why play in leagues and structures whereby they're limiting their potential when they could, you know, the European Cup doesn't have a salary cap. No. So why, you know, for argument's sake, why, why are they bothering to play in the Premiership, batter their players when they could just play the European Cup and play against big teams every week rather than going to Worcester it, it's an interesting it's an interesting suggestion but would it be would it be financially viable as a as a product do you think well I mean that's another question I don't really know but I mean back to back, back, back to what we were getting at like I just don't just don't get anything out of this European Cup I really don't so of the, of the eight teams that are left, we've got three English, three French, and two Irish teams. The quarterfinals are Leinster, Saris, Claremont, Racing, Toulouse, Ulster, Exeter, Northampton. Now, wouldn't it make more sense for a European competition at, at, at this stage that, like in the you know, like in the Champions League in the football, where you can't be drawn against a team from the same country in the quarterfinals? So at least it, it continues to peak interest because you you say in there Northampton versus Exeter. Well, Northampton know they're not going to win, so or not going to win the tournament, so that they're they're just going to they're potentially going to not put a side out against um, against Exeter. You've got Claremont versus Racing. Now, would it not make more sense to have a a draw for a quarterfinal rather than a a seeding? type thing or then just say you cannot play a team for your own country so Racing and Claremont clearly both won their pools would that be unfair to Exeter and Northampton to say well we flip these fixtures around there's not enough countries in it is there no well there's that and there's also actually if you keep teams from the same country apart when and it all seems to be quite cyclical when a country's doing particularly well so like when when France were dominating a few years back you'd end up with three French teams in the semi-final and then everybody else stops having any interest in it whatsoever so oh, actually by, by having by having Exeter Northampton at least you know there's going to be one English semi-finalist there 
yeah, you're guaranteed one English and one French semi-finalist, aren't you? And then the, the likelihood of a Leinster and probably Toulouse, I guess. But, you know, the, the, the only other interesting thing to to put of this is, is Exeter being the number two seeds out of the pool stages, which I, means can that... I, can I just, sorry, just to make a comment on what we've just been talking about. I, I think... Um... You separate the you say that countries can't play against each other. You're making it even more irrelevant because one of the only things that will get people, I think, interested is rivalry. Yeah. You take away the rivalry and force games against Irish or French teams. I think even less people will be interested. So maybe there's a there's there's got you think that there'd be a way to try and rejig the tournament. You know, like in that pool stage, Bath versus Harlequins for two games in that pool stage was probably the most irrelevant rugby yeah. in the what world. Is, 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 At least with knockout, it's got a bit about it. Straight knockout from the from the start. Yeah, Phil had it right. Just X number of best teams in Europe, knockout stages from the but start. It'll never happen because TV money. It's well, money, I mean, isn't it? it, it you, every team's guaranteed six games, aren't they? Isn't the like, European yeah. football championships now roughly 409 t- teams yeah yeah you know spread so, over 25 countries it's you know yeah, so they just want more games the top half of each table from from the 3422 registered nations with fifa it's like it's it's bonkers it's like at the very least they need to change the name of it from champions cup because there's only about i don't know what there is yeah, four, four, champ- four champions champ- in there. Three champions. Three. Yeah, so why three. not? Why not just make like one big tournament for everybody in the top league? So all all the Pro fourteen, all the top fourteen, and all the Premiership do a random draw, right? And then you have what a, f- a first round. The winners go into the cup. The losers of all of those games go into a plate. And they go into like a, the Champions Cup and the Challenge Cup, and then they move on from there. Because strong teams will never go for it because they might they lose draw each other. Most of, well, none of the teams will go for it because they're not guaranteed six games, which they probably sell sponsorship based on. Yeah, it, it's just a, it, you know, it's just well. Good luck selling tickets to Worcester versus NSI in the losers' plate. (laughs) Well, that's yeah, but that happens. That happens in the Challenge Cup, yeah. Yeah. And how many how many Worcester fans travel to NSI or? But also, what's the point of Saracens going to NSI and and putting three hundred on them? (laughs) Well, that's uh, that's potentially going to happen. Ask most of ask most of the Championship next year. Yeah. Yeah. Well. The problem is the reason the reason none of these sensible suggestions will ever happen, and things is, that is because they've been made on a podcast facts. that no one listens to. Well, that's one reason. But even if they were made by by, can I get a second like, series? Who yeah. had the ear of of the right people? The reason none of these would happen is money. That, that's it, pure and simple. The yeah. decisions that get made get made because of money. It's about how many times can we make these famous people run about on a rugby pitch with a camera in front of them so that we can make money. And then we can give the clubs more money. 
and then we'll make more money out of it. It's, it's, yeah. Player welfare is, is, is never considered. Uh, player welfare is a myth. No one cares about the players. Apart from Luke, because especially apart, me. Apart from Dr. <laughs> Dr. Allison, she's the only person that cares about the players. Oh, fuck me. We'd, we'd gone quite a while. I hadn't heard about that fucking parasite <laughs> quite a while. And you fucking brought her up. Um, but yeah, you're right. And we've said this, and I know, Doug, you've said this on numerous occasions. Player welfare is a bit of a fucking myth because when it comes down to it, players are commodities they are um they are owned by their clubs and we'll come on to saracens and image rights and stuff like that in a minute but ultimately they are there to make money for their clubs and for themselves and when they're not on the pitch they're not performing their stock goes down you know how often do you see a player that's out injured for 12 18 months you know it's all of a sudden starts to slip away you don't see them in the public eye enough anymore they come back they're not as good they get signed for somewhere else and then all of a sudden they kind of fizzle out and fade away and that's unfortunately the sad truth of the matter and nobody cares about how that player feels nobody cares about that player's physical and mental state what the clubs care about and, and you know they'll try and tell you otherwise is how much they can bleed from the player until he's no use to them anymore. Yep. And then it starts all over again. That's the cycle. And they're on board with that because they know the risk. And they're on board with that because they get paid quite well. Yeah. You know, and they take that risk. No, It's no different to, to any other sport or any other job, really. You know, the, except you're not getting battered in the face or, you know, potential of a broken leg or a, a career-ending injury every time you sit at your desk or operate a camera, you know? It just doesn't doesn't work like that, does it? That, oh, those we, are the risks. We can talk about cameraman welfare if you want. Well, you know, <laughs> sometimes they stand too close to the pitch. <laughs> That'd be a very niche podcast, wouldn't it? It really would, yeah, but one I'd listen to. I bet I'd tell you we would listen to it. TV bowl. <laughs> And his and his odd socks. Yeah. Um. So, the quarterfinals. I did mention. Um, I know you guys don't care, but let's let's just make some some quick predictions. Uh, Leinster Saris. We're all saying Leinster. home win. Yeah, uh, I hope they both lose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Claremont points. Claremont Racing, racing, ninety two. Don't care. Uh, Claremont. Claremont will win that at home, yeah. I'd like Claremont to win it anyway. Toulouse Ulster. Toulouse. Toulouse. They look, they, they look scary against Gloucester at times. I think Gloucester are soft and I don't think Ulster are, so I'm going to say Ulster. An Exeter versus Saints. Exeter by 160 to, points. To be fair, I was I was there at Sandy Park on Saturday. Um Larishall, right. humble brag, incredible in defence, um, and they but they just run out of puff, um, oh, and the scoreline flattered Exeter. It, it, incredible in defence in the first I half. Mean, incredible in defence. I, like, I anyway. watched. I watched a lot of that game, and I thought Exeter were really sloppy. Um, yeah. I wouldn't say Larishall were incredible in defence. So they were really sloppy because they were getting the ball and having three or four Larishall players right up in their faces in midfield. Fair enough. I, that, was I my, that was my take on it. Anyway, 
I, I um, mean, yeah. But Ollie Woodburn had an absolute mare. Absolute shocker. Stinker. He's been oh. playing pretty, well, bad recently. Every time I've seen him, he had a shocker in Glasgow as well. Uh, yeah. got real feeble effort at a tackle for one of the one of the Glasgow tries. Just looks a bit of a shadow. Well, regressing to type, I think maybe. Well, maybe maybe he's gone through his exceptional patch, and now he's just back to normal. Ollie Woodburn. I mean, he's had a bit of bad luck through injuries and stuff as well, hasn't he? And while he was out, old uh, Tommy Flaherty. Almost said that in an Irish accent then. I don't know why I managed that. What has happened to Alex Cuthbert? He's injured. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's They're not, not playing him for salary reasons, are they? No, he, <laughs> um, he had a hamstring injury, I believe. Quite a serious one. Uh, I will check that out. And if any extra fans want to uh, correct me, then be my guest. Um, Tore his hamstring picking up his wallet. <laughs> probably. Um yeah, so talking of talking of money, then the uh, the section of the podcast, I think everyone who has ever listened to us is uh, is going to be waiting for, and that is a small section on Salasons Salarisons. <laughs> that was a Freudian slip. Saracens and the salary cap uh, debacle. Um, I broke all of my normal protocols and I listened to the egg chasers today in advance of uh, recording tonight. Um, And I've, you know, I've got a few thoughts, but I'll, I'll open it out to you guys first. Um, First of all, obviously uh, Saracens are now officially relegated at the end of the season. Could they, could premiership rugby, as hard it would have been, just gone potentially gone down this route earlier and drew a line under it, so it hasn't dragged on for such a considerable period of time. Ben, I I was told today, and I don't, I don't know if this is right, that they can't actually automatically relegate them. So it was it was the fact that they docked them another thirty five points which meant it was mathematically impossible for them to escape relegation. So it wasn't just a um, like an execution. You, you're relegated, that's your punishment. It was the docking of the... Uh, they docked them enough points that they couldn't get out of it. Yeah, but they haven't been docked points. They're still, uh, they're still at the same points level as they were previously, aren't they? They have just been relegated regardless of outcome. It is an end-of-the-season relegation. Yeah, so what, what I'd heard was they got given, Saracens got given two options. They take a further 35 point points deduction. They open their books fully to PRL um, and they hand back their three titles or they take automatic relegation and they chose to take automatic relegation. And and Wait, I think Wouldn't you though? Prob- probably, yeah. But I think that's symptomatic of where how we've ended up in this situation. I kind of I get the impression that PRL have, have gone down the route of saying, actually, you've cocked it up, we've caught you cocking it up, and we're gonna give you an opportunity to sort things out. And I think if Saracens at that point would have gone, 
hands in the air. We've done something wrong. We thought we were going to get away with it. We haven't got away with it. Give us a bit of time and we're going to go through these measures to make sure that it's right for this year. But accept the fact that it's going to take us time to get it right and been completely open and honest about the whole thing and done the decent thing. They would have stuck with the 35 points deduction and and fine and that would have been it. But because they've gone down the route of, well, we don't really think we've done that much wrong and we're not going to really change anything until the end of the season, they've kind of shafted themselves. The the point is there's kind of there's always two things at play here because when the whole co investment stuff was was launched or launched when it was when it was publicised and the initial thirty five points and it was actually seventy points that they were docked which again I didn't realise too much but they were docked seventy points for both of the seasons that they were over the salary cap um but to run concurrently so in a, in essence they were <laughs> they were given a chance in inverted commas to avoid relegation otherwise if they'd been docked 70 points which would have been 35 points for each of the seasons that they were over um they would they would have essentially been automatically relegated anyway because it would have been near impossible for them to make up that sort of difference to avoid relegation at the bottom of the premiership now if they'd done that initially we wouldn't be it could have all just been drawn a line under and, and moved on at the time that that was put out there saracens were quite quite staunch and, and Nigel Rowe was quite staunch in the approach that says again that we've done nothing wrong um and we continue to do nothing wrong we are not actually over the salary cap now though am i wrong in, think, in thinking that he said well we're not over the salary cap in official terms yet three months down the line they're two million pound over the salary cap in whatever way that is you know in whatever wherever those figures and those investments and those whatever has, has come from they've deemed that they are two million pounds over the salary cap surely they would have known this when when all this came out last year doug you don't not know you're Two million quid over a salary cap. <laughs> I mean, two grand, yeah, but not you know, not two million. That's that's not that's not a mistake. So can we stop saying Saracens have made mistakes because they haven't made a mistake? You know, you don't accidentally go two million pounds overdrawn, do you? You don't True. go to the pub and go, oh, I was expecting to spend 200 quid, but actually I've spent 200 grand. You know, it, it's, it's, it's nonsense. But I think I think what what the kids would call it is trying to style it out. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they've basically been caught red-handed and tried to style it out. And it hasn't. It just, and and it's just made it worse. They've 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 done a Trump. If we say it enough, it becomes true. You know, no, we haven't cheated. We haven't cheated. And and you know, we'll we'll put out a load of tweets saying we haven't cheated and we'll do this and that. And eventually, people will just go, oh, well, they they must not have cheated. And clearly, it works on some people. Stephen Jones. <laughs> Stephen Jones. He's bought it. 
he he brought the Kool Aid. I don't know. He obviously thinks that for whatever reason that they've done that, nothing wrong at all. Fair play to him, you know. Uh, well, he's he's probably on a co-investment, or like Nigel Ray probably bought his house for him or something. Well, he's Which... on a co-investment with Maris Pipers, judging by his suede. <laughs> that and scrotums. Um, <laughs> that was a that was a mixed metaphor there, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to all the farmers out there. <laughs> yeah, so it's but but now it's had a, a again a line drawn under it. Um, Sarah, I don't Sarah's... think it has yet, mate. I don't think it has had a line drawn under it. Well, what because more, there's all what, the, there's all happen? talk of Saracens have got to be compliant with Premiership salary cap rules for two years before they can get promoted. So okay, it's basically putting them in the Championship for at least two seasons. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I, we're sort I, of disappearing down a rabbit hole, a rabbit hole here, and uh, I, I don't want to. I don't want us to sort of not sound coherent. So I've actually forgotten what your original point was, Russ, what we were originally talking about. That's okay. So have I. Uh, there's said. just so much, there's, there's just so much information and so much stuff that, you know, you're thinking about when you, when you talk about this subject. That it's okay. To kind of put it all into an order and not, not just so, go off. You know, I, I started off talking about not spending 200 quid when you, you, you accidentally overspending by two million quid yeah all of a sudden i'm talking about how stephen jones looks like a scrotum okay so let's come at it from a rugby perspective then let's 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 look at it from a um from an england and from a lions perspective because in you know in 18 months time we're going on a lions tour to to south africa that could be that will be at the end of a season where Saracens would have played a season in the championship. If what you're saying is right, then um, they wouldn't potentially be promoted because they haven't fed under the salary cap or demonstrated been under the salary cap for two years. Although there isn't a salary cap in the championship, is there? No, but they have to be. So the the I think what the rule does is say that you can't just buy your way out of the championship. Right. Okay. That's fair enough. You've got to, so, if you're coming up, you've got to be compliant with the Premiership. Yeah. Stop, um, you know, Saracens basically keeping their squad. So there's, there's again, there's, there's two or three things there. But from a, from an England and Alliance perspective, what happens to those players? Do they have to, you know, do they have to move on? Is there a, a, a specific rule? I don't think there is a rule. It's just a preference that players must be playing in the premiership to be selected for England. And I think, do you think, do you see an exception being made for certain players? You know, look at Mark Wilson having to go on loan to sale, for instance, do you see an exception and could there be a benefit for the likes of Farrell, Itoje, um, let's say Elliot Daly, Jamie George for playing minimal games in the championship and then play in a full six nations with England. So you have, they, they, they play the autumn internationals. They play the six nations um, in preparation for a lions tour. You know, no. that, that might only be, what's that? That's going to be with six or seven games, maybe sprinkling a couple of championship games against the, you know, I say the better sides, but you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm just, it, 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 I, I don't think it can work. I, 
I don't want to step on Doug's toes here, but look what happened to Baltimore Ravens. They had two or three weeks off, and they weren't the same. So you, you can't play one rugby game every seven weeks and then go on a Lions tour. You just can't. Also, no, don't, don't, um, don't feel like you're stepping up. Like, everyone's got an opinion on this, right? It's not. We're not just here to listen to me. You know, oh, no, it's because I was talking about NFL. Oh, right, I see. Right, sorry. <laughs> but, yeah. All right, then fucking let you have a bit of a high opinion yourself. No, no, but I, you know, <laughs> I'm just let's, let's be, on, let's be honest. He's, mate. He's, people, he's kind you know, of a big thing around here. People are expecting me just to go off on one, and I don't, you know, I've kind of my, done that. My, my view know. on it is this, right? I, I don't know a great deal about it because I haven't read a lot, a lot about it because I'm not interested in finances. I don't really care. Um, they've done something wrong. They've got caught. They've been punished. My view on the Saracens team is, is, is probably different to most of you guys in that I've enjoyed watching that team as much as any team in the last 15 years. I think they're fantastic to watch. Um, but they've now been relegated. But, I mean, I thought they were fantastic on, on Sunday. Um, for them to pull that performance in the second half from the week they'd had from getting from looking a mess in the 10 minutes before half time in a red card i thought that was just incredible and as, as a set of players i don't think you can really knock them um so they the club's just going to have to take its punishment now um and and the more they can't really argue it they've been they're banged to rights by the sounds of it um but you think they can't argue it yeah but Their fans are doing a good job of it yeah but every every club in every sport's got some idiots to support it don't they and and you know most of the saracens fans that i saw interviewed because it was it was the first sports um news on on the nine o'clock news the other night and um they interviewed saracens fans and most of them kind of held their hands up and went look we've been caught um atoje isn't going to be playing in the championship I i just can't see it you imagine him against teams in the bottom half of that league it, it'd be carnage and so they, they can go to japan on loan they could go to new zealand then, for a season well, i was then thinking they can't the same play, thing, ben. then they can't play for england well so what um, next year they'll no, they, i get they, that i get that is there not is there not surely this is an that... exceptional circumstance exactly yeah your, your best club's been relegated for financial irregularities there's I an exceptional I circumstance. I don't think the rest of the Premiership clubs will stick that. They'll love it. What's it got to do with them? They'll love it. They, they, they keep seven of their players rather than lose them to the Six Nations. I, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure that mentality is necessarily there in the same club versus country way. It might be with some of them, but a lot of the coaches you hear about them pushing for their players to get international recognition because they think it's the right thing for the players. I. No, they they want I think, the, the, I the think, clubs want players to get international recognition because they get salary cap dispensation. They want so all their players well. to get picked for but England, then, so they get money then, to spend on the cap. But then you're having to spend that money because you're having to get other players yeah. into cover when they're not there. It's it's chicken and egg. You can't you can't say oh, I'm going to take the money and it's not going to affect me in terms of the team that I can put out and the results that I'm going to get. But that's that's but, where but that's where teams. Pick up players you with the greatest respect. Your run of your the squad, mill, your squad players, squad players. Yeah. Whereas you look at Saracen squad players the, versus the salary... versus other team squad players. 
but the salary cap dispensation they get is an enormous layer salary for the entire year. It's it's not going to stack up that way. But I can't see whoever, I can't see any of those England players going off and playing in New Zealand for an entire season and getting picked by England. Russ, you said so what? And and maybe that's the point. Maybe actually they can go and play in New Zealand for a year and come back and be better when they come back to to play for England. And by the time the next World Cup comes around, England, the England rugby team's in a much better place as a result of that. And and I can kind of I could say, yeah, fair enough to that. I wouldn't have an issue with that. To me, it just like so if you look at the last big scandal to hit English rugby, you look at Bloodgate. To me, what Saracens have done is the equivalent of Dean Richards going out and going. No, we didn't put we didn't put a capsule in his mouth. I don't know where that came from. It must have come from the grass and just jumped into his mouth, and then filling up the physio's bag with a shed load of blood capsules to be used at the next possible opportunity. This is the thing that that's really pissed me off: is the the arrogance of the people in the back of the club to not go, shit, this is serious. We need to sort our house out now, and be open and honest. And and it's just like I was I was with former podcast member Perry Hughes earlier today and he was saying like as far as he's concerned the premiership's ruined for this season it's going to be extra in Northampton probably doing as, as little as they can get away with to get through to the premiership final and that's paying a massive disrespect to the other 10 clubs there's no nobody gives a shit about relegation Leicester can can piss about and do whatever they want for the rest of the season it doesn't really ma- matter um relegation isn't an issue Saracens aren't be, aren't going to be filling one of those top four spaces. So, like for for the teams that are playing well, there's less competition to get in there, um, and it's going to have a massive knock-on effect because of the arrogance of the club to not just go, we need to take this seriously, rather than just keep protesting that we've done nothing wrong. That's that's what pisses me off. Do you, do you think do you think they would have got away with it though, or do you think the other clubs would have still? I reckon if they'd have gone. I reckon if they'd have gone out and said, at the initial point when it broke, um, straight after the World Cup, they'd have gone out and said, yeah, we thought this wasn't counting towards the cap. It turns out it is, according to the same regulations, we're likely to be over for this year. But if PRL work with us, we'll do what we can to get it to get it down to where it needs to be. And if that means next season we need to start with a points deduction that's fine, we'll hold our hands up and we'll be open and honest and work with them. If if you offer the other premiership clubs the opportunity that Saracens start on minus 35 two years in a row, they'd probably go for it. So do you think, so do you think then with that in mind, all the stuff that's come out this week and Saracens having to lower their cap by 2 million or whatever it is by a certain period of time, do you think the other premiership clubs could have not necessarily colluded in some way, but you know, they've all, nobody's real, really shown any interest in signing any of these Saracens players, probably because a lot of them are, you know, wouldn't be able to fit into the, the current cap structure in those clubs. Um, you know, some clubs would have you believe that they're spending right up to the cap. Other clubs, you know, haven't spent up to the cap for years and, and couldn't compete financially. But, if now the relegation is confirmed, could you see some of those teams starting to to sniff around? Now the deed has been done. Now the decision's been made, and nothing further, you know, or 
now the the punishment's been handed out. So I think you issue, see more clubs coming in for those players. So I think the issue with that is a lot of a lot of groundwork and probably a lot of deals are already done for next season, even if they're not even if they're not official anyway. So I mean, there's there's been plenty of rumours about Reinhardt going to France. I'm assuming going. Of... He's, he's he's leaving at the end of the season. It's confirmed. Um, but I mean, those route that that talk's been going on since World Cup, um, and that's what I mean is I don't I don't think the teams I don't think it's like a transfer window, how you picture it as a football fan where your manager's going out on the last day trying to find somebody and sign them and get all the paperwork done. It's not it's not like that. I think they're they're kind of long term strategic decisions. So for some of these clubs to say take on a um, an Owen Farrell or a or a Mako Vinopola, they're probably going to have to let three or four people go at the end of the season to be able to afford it within their salary cap. Yeah, doesn't doesn't that everything you've just said makes you realise just how brazen Saracens were about keeping these players and adding to that squad. Squads can't, teams can't afford to take on one of their players because they're spent up to the cap. Yet Saracens managed to add Elliot Daly, Liam Williams. Do you see what, I'm, see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I would be very much surprised if Wasps hadn't pulled some creative accountancy three or four years ago when they had Cipriani, who allegedly was on an absolute fortune. Um, they had Willie LaRue. Um, Gopeth, Beal, uh, and they were signing signing world class players left, right, and centre. Um, I can't see how there wasn't a bit of creative accounting going on there. Um, and yet, the depth of their squad was nowhere near as deep as Saracens. Their second, third line players were tr- traditional squad players. They're not second, third line players being. Scott Brits or see, I uh, think at that I think at Scott that time Schalke Berger or someone like I, that. I think at that time Wasps Wasps backup players or Wasps second string were mediocre at best, and it was those players that you mentioned previously that that got they, them through. And they weren't cherry picking the other club's best players. No, I mean what's going to happen is that they're going to lose. So they're going to lose Nick Tompkins because he can't stay at Saracens and play for Wales. That's his decision. He made that unlucky. Yeah. See you later. Up, up until only once his contract runs out. Yeah, he's allowed yeah, to true. play there until the end of his contract. <laughs> Same with Reece Carey. Yeah, but he's, he's not going to get. He's not going to go picked. though, isn't he? He's not going to get picked playing in the championship. Yeah. No. So same with Reece Carey. There, he's going to have to go back to Wales. So there's two two. I don't know. Championships players. about the same level as Pro 14 anyway, isn't it? So tell that to Leinster fans. Um, There's only Leinster reserves that play in it. Yeah, true. Maitland will probably have to go. Vincent Cox going to go. You would think Skelton will go. Rigglesworth will be off. Oh, Barrett, Barrett will retire. Barrett. I imagine. Whatever they're paying Skelton, that guy's got not not got a brain in his head, has he? No. 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 Oh, do you remember that video that I the the. When he hit um, Will Hurrell in the, in the Bristol game, when yeah. Hurrell, Hurrell's pinned into a ruck and it just went unpunished, he does stuff like that every week. He just doesn't get he, he just doesn't get seen. Just lollops about. Um, 
let's let's. But they're going to lose. My point is, they're going to lose a butt ton of players, but I can see that core group staying. So Farrell, Toje, Cruz, Vinopolas, um, Vinopolas, Jamie George. I can see those guys staying. They're going to lose the players that make their squad so much better than anyone else, but and and therefore they'll become like every other team and they won't be able to dominate. And all this talk of their wonderful culture and all this bullshit about their values, it's all words. It's it, it's literally all words. Their culture and, and their success is based around the fact that they were paying £2 million a season more than they were allowed to for players. And Alex Sanderson can stand on the touchline and do his silly little, you know... Look at look at what a wonderful coach I am. When really, as we've discussed, you're just the rugby Phil Neal. <laughs> you can you can you can have all that because, as I've been saying for five years to anyone that will listen, it's been coming, it's come and it's gone. Just just to contextualise that two million, because some people might not know what the cap is. That's not two million over two hundred million. That's two million over seven million. Yeah. That's twenty eight twenty eight percent overspend. I'm 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 in a groove now. So what? <laughs> um, Sorry, so we haven't we haven't spoken about rugby for an hour. Carry on. <laughs> no, well, I just I just want to talk about um, some of the stuff that I've seen on social media and whatnot. About I saw a graphic like just the lengths that these this club's fans will go to to justify the actions. They look, seeing graphics with um, how much pro, uh, how much top fourteen teams are play, paying for their squads in France, which is, you know, a bullshit graphic about thirty million that Toulouse are spending or whatever, and they're saying Saracens are only spending this. It's all it's nonsense. Irrelevant. That's irrelevant. Um, stuff about the community work. We've been over that. Stuff about um, uh, the people I feel sorry for are the people that work behind the. Ca- couldn't care less. They get paid minimum wage and most of them are agency staff anyway. So it doesn't matter. Stop saying that the players aren't to blame. They are. If if me sitting at my kitchen table can work out that Saracens are over the cap, so can professional rugby players that are actually signing the contracts. So I don't feel sorry for uh, them. They knew what they were doing. They knew uh, that they and were... They're, and they're earning a cunt load of money. Yeah. Look, the, the guys, sorry, sorry, just quickly, the, mate, just, just quickly, Lance Armstrong, all his teammates were all banned, right? They were all complicit in Lance Armstrong's cheating. No one felt sorry for them. Uh, what's, what's his name? Old um, Jesse Plemons character in the film. You know, no, no one was saying, oh, well, yeah, there's nothing to do with them. They all knew what they were doing. They all knew. The coaches knew. The coaches should be banned because they knew what they were doing. You know, to be fair, he did get average Joe's gym through to the final of the dodgeball championship, though. Who did? Lance Armstrong. Lance Armstrong. He did, and he was putting away Cheryl Crow for a while when she was fit. She looks like a. She <laughs> looks like a. Putting away she, Cheryl Crow. She, she looks like a washed-up flip-flop. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you say about the players, Doug, but I mean, you're one of the four best people on this podcast, um, <laughs> and the best in my price range. Yeah. So. If I give you a grand a podcast, yeah, are you going to ask where it comes from? 
No, because our podcast doesn't have a salary cap. <laughs> we can introduce one. But if you're if you're Will Skelton, who can Russ. count to seven, Russ. When you're in the military, what is one of the mantras that they teach in basic training? Don't uh. fuck the sergeant. Yeah, don't don't stand in front of Russ when he's got a gun. I mean, it's you're it's not a great. Military, it's a great. It's a great. It's a great question. <laughs> so um, on a road. If you if you were ten minutes late and you said. I didn't know that was the time we had to be there. What would oh, yeah. the answer be? Ig- ignorance isn't an excuse, mate. Exactly. Just know. Find out. Exactly. Get off your ass and do, yeah. the, do the right but thing. Don't complain to me about how hard done by you as, are as a player because you've got to find a new job. You must have known, mate. You must have known something was going on. It's on you. <clears throat> and, and, yeah, because every player that plays for a premiership club is aware that there is a salary cap. Every player will know how big their their own contract is, and the bigger players, obviously, on the more money that are allegedly having their houses co-funded by Nigel Ray, which I think you know, I'm uh, I don't know how the finances work, and like Ben said, I don't really care about the fi- you know what the investments were and how they were all divvied up or whatever. They were found to be in breach of the cap. They are now getting punished for it. You know, that should kind of be the end of it. And away we go. Yeah. Phil, Phil, last comment. So so the players that I would feel sorry for are those that are 17, 18, 19 year old just coming out of the academy and been at the club for the whole for 11, 12 years who actually But nothing's gonna to happen to them because they'll be playing in but, the championship. Uh, short short term I'm gonna feel sorry for them because actually Why? a chunk of them because they haven't contributed to this. They haven't played any role in this, and and they will get vilified in the same way that everybody else. Is. No, but they will get a chance to play. They'll get a chance to play. They wouldn't have got but, otherwise. But I was no, going to say, if if, them, if, if Maitland and Tompkins go, they'll get a game. Or or actually, the good ones will just end up moving to another Premiership club and get more game time anyway. But short they, they term, better ask where the money's term, coming from. Short term, <laughs> they'll get a load of shit thrown at them that they don't deserve. And uh, and also, Saracen's got a world. I've got a world class academy that they keep telling us, and they keep producing all these world class stars. So, you know, they can keep they can keep producing those in the championship. I can't remember if I've said it before, but you know, for all you lot that are going on about how the the academy's done well for England and all that, Man United had a team, the class of ninety two, or it was ninety two, wasn't it? The class of ninety two, and they've supplemented that with one or two players ever since. And that's essentially what Saracens have had. Yeah, they had a class of '92 style influx of world class kids, and who else? Who else really has come through since then? You've had Ezekiel and Earl. Really? Yeah, Shigan looks all right, doesn't he? I don't know where they got him. Yeah, from. but he's a, he's an average Premiership player, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. He started well on Sunday, but he really did have a second half of the. So, first so half. for all that, our academy is world class. You got lucky with a bunch of kids. Just a bit like what Northampton are having now. They get they've got lucky with a really good crop of youngsters. It doesn't mean that you're doing groundbreaking stuff. It means you got lucky that there was a group of kids that came through at the same time. Good point. Well presented. Let's let's move off of that because you mentioned Northampton there, Doug, and uh I believe there are six or seven Northampton Saints players uh, that have been six, named. You, there's six if you count. Uh, Alex Mitchell, uh, correct. Who is the? They're in an apprentice. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of the word capacity. 
apprentice player. You yeah. were right first time. <laughs> um, which is a bit of bullshit in itself, isn't it? But let's let's just stash. talk about stash. Let's talk about the England squad. Um, as always, Eddie Jones is potentially batshit crazy, but he likes to do things to shock people. I'm, I'm certain of it. He's named his first squad for the Six Nations. I guess this squad goes through a couple of games, does it now? Because they can they can drop players and pick players up and release them back to their their clubs. And uh, I believe they're off to to Portugal for some warmer weather training uh, this week. Off to Portugal to end a couple of players' careers. Yeah, some yeah. judo and um, etc. The big surprise is, I guess, uh, Ben Earl, if that can count as a big surprise, because he's been excellent for Saracens this season. Um, Alex Moon, Doug, Northampton. Now, I'm going to be honest. I have no idea about Alex Moon. Um, And the fact that he has been picked above Johnny Hill, and this isn't just an Exeter Homer pick, but I do have a couple of issues with this from an excellent perspective. Um, just put Charlie Yules and, and uh, Alex Moon as sort of replacement locks, because let's be honest, it'll be Cruz, Itoji, Launchbury and Laws, sort of two from, from those four. Um, why no jo- I I don't understand. Can you tell me anything more about Alex Moon? Is uh, He's started playing this season uh, for the first team and he's playing really well. I mean, what more do you need to know? It's a bit like the, it's a bit like the, um, a bit like the situation with uh, who's the centre, the Northampton centre, Piers Francis. Yeah. He was playing really well last season, but because he played for Northampton, nobody noticed. And then he went to England and he did a really good job for England, but because he wasn't flashy and didn't do, Manny Tuolagi things, people got on his back and said that he wasn't very good and this and that. But if you watch Northampton week in, week out, he was our best player so many times. And I think means in a sort of similar vein, like he's not, because you don't know who he is, you're not looking for him. And so you don't see the good work that he does. He's been picked based on performances and, and being a young lock, I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll get a lot out of it, I think. I think he'll... um. I think you might surprise a few people. Ben? I mean, I, I think the weird thing is is not that it's Alex Moon. Um, you know, Eddie's picked a few players out of relative obscurity that have done really well. I think it's weird they've got six locks. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no Simmons in that squad and there's no... No Don Brandt. Uh, Don Brandt even, is even weirder because he could fill in as a lock. Um I, th- I think, I think the thing with that are, are they expecting? There's quite a high attrition rate for locks. Yeah. Are they expecting Cruz not to be there for much longer? Is the Japan thing actually going to happen? Yeah, but I mean, I, I don't know the rules of, about calling up replacements, but I, I think six locks is a lot. Um, well, when when I suppose both Itoji and Laws could be sixes as well. I know I know you hate that, but they're only emergency sixes at an international level, aren't they? I mean yeah, you've got yeah. I, I when think... you've got when you've got Underhill 
Curry, Ludlam, Earl, uh, Ted Hill in there as well. You, know, you don't need you don't need any um, any more hybrid yeah. players, do you? My my no. concern is we haven't got a number eight. Yeah, I think. Uh, can we just to your original point? What? Why? Why is um, your extra man? Why is he Simmons? So no, no, Johnny no, Hill. I just think for me, Johnny Hill has been. He's just played exceptionally well in every think, every game that I've seen. He scored tries. He's dominated lineouts. He's been around the park, and I guess probably because I tend to spend more and more time watching Exeter. Although you know they're they're on the telly as much as Northampton, I guess. I do, he just tends he stood out more for me with his performances than than what I've seen or not seen of Alex Moon or Charlie Ewells for that matter. I think he's played well so far this season um having said that i think from what i've seen of exeter the the lad that's um that's in the scotland squad skinner Skinner. uh, he's always impressed me more than hill until this season um so it might be that but skinner can't get a game this season yeah he's he's only just come back from injury injury, he missed missed the world cup and he was only available from this weekend but i i i just think I think leaving Simmons out is a little bit perverse. Uh, we, we discussed this at length the other week. I think he might not be an international number eight, but he's definitely an international something. Something, You know, there's something about him. I think Amaga coming in at 10, the lads play pretty well, but Joe Simmons is so unlucky to miss out. What's, what's Amaga played? Six games, seven yeah, games, something like that. It's yeah, Maybe. that seems that seems like a strange pick to me. Um, Mar- it's it's Mar- a bit Mar- like when like when Marcus Smith got picked for the first time. You're like, okay, he's made a good start, but mm. he's played a handful of games. Whereas Simmons is this is his what third season playing regularly in the first team. Doesn't miss a kick. slightly with Amaga. He did play for the under twenties, so he's known within the setup and the yeah. You know, so maybe he's seen something in that, and and to give him his due, he's not often wrong, is he? No, who's, no, who's he been wrong about? I think um, it's just it's one you could say it's left field, couldn't you? It's, yeah. So, yeah. so I I looked at the squad initially and I went, Christ, um, what's what's he done? There's there's like, but then you you go through it and you go, well, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah the very bulk much of the, so. the bulk of the team that got to the World Cup finals there, yes. I think we all think Marler and Youngs shouldn't be there, and and now was an opportunity to get some other people in there in their places. Um, I yeah, I thought six second rows is is too many. There's no number eight, but he's made choices that we wouldn't have picked, and he's done that before, and they've they've ended up looking pretty good. Ultimately, what we're debating is is the bench and the squad players as much as anything else. I think. I think the 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 first team as it as was, I think we're all pretty happy with. I'm I'm really happy to see Furbank in there because I think he's he's got real potential, and the sooner we can get him in there and get him get him learning the systems, the better. But I mean, you could you could write yourself a a, a starting fifteen from that team without even hearing the squad announcement, pretty uh, much. Yeah, I mean, I would say that you you might see Ludlam. I think I think he'll start at eight. Um, Don't forget, you've also got Wilson to come back into that squad once he's played a few games as a number eight. 
I don't. I don't think. I don't think Mark Wilson's coming back into this squad. I think Earl's going to start at eight. I, I do think too, Earl, Earl will start at eight. I, I think. think I just think he's a bit. I don't know. If you say if people if people are saying or if 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 Eddie Jones and and others potentially thinking that Sam Simmons is too lightweight to play eight in international rugby, then so what ben the Earl. fuck is Ben Earl doing there? Yeah, I think that, he'll play he'll play Earl Underhill and Curry, and that's that's a very mobile back row. It's it not is. very England, but it's very mobile. Um, and when you look at France for that first game, and I know France are, are changing the way they play potentially and, and with the people they've picked, but France are always going to have big ball carriers up front. Yeah. Honestly, uh, I, I did want to talk about Toulouse a little bit. They they looked a little bit scary. They're, they're, they had um, DuPont and... Um, Untermac. Untermac at halfback, and they carved Gloucester to pieces. And I do agree with Doug a little bit. Gloucester are, are a little bit lightweight, but. Which is amazing considering their back row. Yeah, but they. And the the the, the, um, the hooker who's in the French squad, Marchand, I think. Marchand. Yeah. He was really good. Um, they had uh, their seven, looks likely to be the French seven. They did look really good, and 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 that in England's England back row like that might I don't I wouldn't say it get bullied because Underhill will be knocking people into next week, but just might lack a little bit of power. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I I look at that squad. I'm 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 pleased to see Devoto and Thorley. I think that those are good moves. Um. Daily for for for. You know, the first half for Saracens, he really showed the pluses and minuses. He he set up a, a, a fantastic move with this pass at, you know, this pass was off a different planet. Um, you know, he put, put someone away from his own 22. Maitland it was. Yeah, but almost, you know, two, two minutes later, he missed a fairly high routine high ball and they scored off it. And, and you know, I don't know, it's... It, Maybe there's a little bit of pressure on him now with Furbank and Watson in the squad. Well, I, d- I just don't think there is. And I look, I look at that back. I look at the the backs that he's picked, and all I see is no change to to where we were at the World Cup. I see one of the worst scrum half performances I've ever seen in the, in any match ever. Um, still in the squad and will probably mm. start. Followed by Ford at ten, Farrell at twelve, Tuilagi at thirteen, uh, Daly on one wing, Watson, uh, Watson on one wing, May on the other, and Daly at fullback. You know we're at the start of a new, again, a new cycle in inverted commas. You know what? I take think the what happens? What happens to progression? Take the scrum half out of it though, and that's not that's that's a yeah. pretty decent bat line. Oh, I think no, you might, no might bring someone new in for no reason. But he might start Hines. I think. I think he might start Hines at nine. But either either way, Hines well, is what thirty three. Young. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm. Look at the way Joe Simpson has started well, the season for Gloucester. Look at. Played Robson. him off the park. Who he, he played Hines off the park. Because Hines is a one. Game dy- manager. He's a game manager. He's very good at what he does, but he's a game manager. And a dynamic scrum half who's going to, you know, you look at. Um, 
Iberian or Dupont or the likes of Robson or um, who's the the Irish lad that's been playing really well? Is it Marmion? Marmion? No, is it Cooney? Cooney. They're just a bit more dynamic. And if you want, you know, England, if England are going to pick this mobile back row, they're going they, the mobile back row would need quick ball and it needs to be continually quick ball. And then you've got someone like Willie Hines who's just going to box kick people to death. And it just, it just shows a real, to me, a bit of a lack of ambition. And I just think, you know, we, we had an opportunity, we've got an opportunity now to start driving things forward again. And as much as like the, the likelihood he's put to Mago, he's picked Dingwall, he's picked, uh, um, Furbank. None of these players are going to get anywhere near the first team, even on the yeah, bench. But then it's very tempting to bring in wholesale changes, isn't it? But you've still got to pick your best team. Well, I wouldn't be too upset if they would they wrote the Six Nations off and just tried something completely different. But nah, I mean, like I suggested two years ago, I, I, I don't see why you'd want to do that though. Yeah, Doug, Doug has suggested that for years, but yeah. I, I, no, I. You've got you've got to win every game. That's how they won. You know, that's how Woodward did it. He just won every game. No, he didn't. He didn't win every game two years before the World Cup. Well, he yeah, won but... every, he won every game for eighteen months leading up. It's to a it. it's a process. Well, right, he, he, he tried to win Woodward, every game. But what Woodward did is he tried to win every game, but whilst trying to work out what his best team was, um, and I think there's a there's a happy medium of experimenting that can be done. And we don't know until the team gets named whether Eddie's going to do that or not. And it may well be that, um, that I don't know, four or five of that starting 15 in the World Cup final aren't starting. They might be on the bench or they might be, they might be squad players. I think we're all pretty pissed off to see Ben Youngs there. Um, but he might be bringing Ben Youngs along because he inherently knows the systems and the and the plays better than anyone else. Uh, yeah, but I, th- you could be but, right. I th- but I don't think I am right. I think he. I think he thinks Ben Youngs is a far better player than everyone else in the world thinks. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> Fair but enough. Maybe maybe Tom Youngs. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Mr. Mr. Youngs <laughs> and Mrs. And, and Mrs. Youngs. Let's, uh, Doug. Have you got anything, anything to add on the England squad? Um, I just wish he'd drop Joe Marner. Agreed. Just wish he'd go away forever. Him and his weird eyebrows and his foe trying to be a celebrity. Oh, I'm so bad. Look at me, banter. He's like. You know, you know when James, when when James Haskell, um, and everybody literally tore into shreds of being the king of banter, and you know, he is not half as annoying as that fucking wand, Joe Marla. He's just not <laughs> right, and that stupid eyebrow face, and all of what he's trying to do to forge himself a career post rugby with his stupid Mohican and his head going directly onto his shoulders, can just do one, as far as I'm concerned. I'm just sick of the bloke. 
cannot, <laughs> just not interested in anything he's got to say, because everything that comes out of his out of his mouth is just a vague attempt at trying to be funny. Just shut up and play rugby, because actually you're not bad at it. And when you're not being a dick, you could be a, a decent scrummaging prop. Other than that, get in the sea. <laughs> and that's that's that. But hope you're yeah. listening, Joe. Go well. Um, <laughs> Go well. Phil looks absolutely just looks like he's been hit in the face with a fish. <laughs> <laughs> he's looking very pale. Well, that must be the light is he's, uh, he's, he's sat in. Um, so, yeah, that's it. Any other England related chat? Any other rugby related chat that you guys want to bring up this evening? If Tom, I wish Tompkins was in the England squad. Well, you think yeah. that, you think there would have been a conversation somewhere down the line, wouldn't you? But yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I'd I'd rather have Tompkins and Devoto in there, and I like uh, Devoto, but I think Tompkins is a better player. Yeah, I'm not too sure about that, but um, we'll see. We'll see. It's, we might um, we might see in in Cardiff. Has anyone heard about um, Reece Samet's injury? Apparently, he was seen walking around Toulouse Airport without crutches and a boot, so he should be fine. Colby broke his ankles in the run up to it, so uh... <laughs> he's he's broken many an ankle with yeah. his uh, with his mazy legs and Douglas Andrews like sidestep. Um, <laughs> right, let's get into some uh, any other business. Uh, Phil, anything from you? No, fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Wow. Just no. Doug? Uh, yeah, so went to obviously went to Italy this weekend. Um, Lake Garda for a couple of days before the Treviso match. Um, love Italy, love the food. Was really looking forward to getting out there, eating some delightful luncheons. Apparently Italy's shut. Like there is not, there was nothing open to the point where we had to eat cheese toasties on Friday night, <laughs> <laughs> made with orange cheddar and some kind of spiced ham. Um, how that country functions is a mystery to me. Genuinely, Lizzie, Lizzie had a bit of a headache uh, on the on the Saturday morning. Oh, sorry. Of course, she did. Friday morning, on, on, and, the, uh, on, the, on the Thursday night, on the Friday night, on the Saturday <laughs> night, yeah, every night, every night, cleared up during the day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was told her to go and get it checked out, but she couldn't because every fucking pharmacy in Italy is shut at any time you want it. Outside, there's a vending machine with fifteen rows of Johnnies. Can't buy a headache tablet though. But, but, so you can have all the all the posh wanks you want, but all uh... the posh wanks you want can't can't get rid of a headache. <laughs> it's uh it's a nightmare. Um and then this evening Oh and and the other one was I took my little boy and girl to a place called Odds Farm at the weekend, which is essentially a little farm with a play set in it. And um you can go and feed goats and whatever, which my kids don't want to do because they don't like touching them and whatever. And you can have a look at some chickens in small hutches and pigs that just piss endlessly. Um, and for the privilege, you can pay £55 for a family of four. 
Uh, it sounds like Puxton Park and Dairyland, where it's a Dairyland. Like, Dairyland, yeah. Dairyland Dairy is a uh, very popular children's party destination in Newquay, where uh, it's got like an indoor play barn, like all the all the soft plays, and uh, there's a few goats and chickens and stuff outside, and it's a little bit of a farm. It used to be a working farm, I think, at one point in the fifty-five yeah. pounds. Yeah. I'm- I'm pretty sure Dairyland was one of my any other businesses years ago, ranting about how shit the parties there are. Probably. <laughs> that Probably. was without food as well. Take a packed lunch. Unbelievable. Fifty-five pounds. You could you could and, have taken and, a an orange cheese packed lunch toasty. And <laughs> lastly, lastly, um, we've mentioned him before, but Stephen Jones, man. Scroton. What? What? I mean. Why call like this? It's the, the when he calls people sunshine. Surely he knows that some someday soon he's going to say it, and somebody's going to see him at a ground and just lever fuck out of him. You'd hope so. That that nearly happened to Andy Goode, which would have been nice as well. But yeah, you know, we've gone full circle. Sunshine. Um, he's got a face like a melted wheelie bin. <laughs> that's that's that's. Oh, it's fucking job. Hamilton! Isn't it? Oh yeah, it's yeah. sorry. Oh Jesus yeah. Christ! I'm just bad at them. Yeah. Sorry, I, I'm not going to say anything else, Ben. I've no idea what that was about. Um, all I've got to say is, um, in these days of concussion awareness, um, I wish that Voxel hadn't created a solid plastic protrusion from the ceiling of of the Astra. <laughs> this, this this must be one of them that must be one of the most Alan Partridge things I think you've ever said without the, it being Partridge. In the words of Top Gear magazine, it really hurt my head when I <laughs> Was it like a little like coat hook or I think it was it? like a mo- motion sensor or something. Just where the little light did is it, did it go off with your head? Yeah, yeah, you know the light that your dad always told you never to press because it could cause an accident. <laughs> yeah, the interior yeah. light. Yeah, you can't have the interior light on when it's dark. <laughs> Never switch that on. <laughs> Cause an accident immediately. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, everybody's dad has said that. I swear. So there was, I, I, I was just trying to get something off the passenger seat, and I, I, I lifted my head, and all the times I've been kicked in the head playing rugby, never hurt as much as that. It was, in, it's chronic pain. Like four hours later, it still really hurts. So, oh, um, Vauxhall, wait sue, for the lawsuit. Maybe, maybe you can sue Vauxhall for that. Yeah, for um, my CTE. Okay, well, while we're on the uh, the subject of CTE in a completely unrelated discussion, if you like sports documentaries... Well, you think and... it's unrelated, but if I commit a double murder in a minute, you'll well, know why. And, and you've obviously know where I'm going with this. Um, if you like murder and American football and possibly <laughs> <Who> great... <doesn't? laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? If, if you like murder, and... <laughs> this has gone so partridge, isn't it? We, we all we all know that, that uh, you know a certain amount of uh, players in the NFL raping and a drugging and a murdering, and you know that's what the NFL is all about. Um, Aaron Hernandez documentary on uh, Netflix, a three part, three one hour sort of episodes delving into the the background the history the court cases and all of this stuff of what looks to have been one of the most talented and gifted athletes 
Um, he was incredible to have played the to have played the sport even at such a young age. He didn't, you know, he went to the Super Bowl in his first season, scored a touchdown. He was supposed to be the next. You know, he was in the same team. He got drafted in the same draft as Rob Gronkowski. And for those who know American football, Gronkowski had had an incredible career with the Patriots. And Hernandez was supposed to be so much better than he, what he, he was. He was incredible. He uh, genuinely, he would have been one of the players that if I was start starting to pick players to play rugby from American football, he would have been the first one I'd have picked. You'd bang him in at number eight, wouldn't you, surely? Yeah, anyway. He uh, wouldn't have questioned the salary cap, though, would he? No. <laughs> There's a few caps that... Uh, <laughs> He wouldn't have questioned, but yeah, if you like, if you like that sort of thing, murder. It's, his um, his his business on the side were a little bit different to the ones Nigel Ray gets you involved in. Hey, Nigel would have got involved somehow. He could have how, made a tenner. How he could have made a tenner out of gang warfare. Really, how, how can you legitimize gangland violence? Oh, it's all. It's all. Yeah, but it's, as long as they're showing humility and respect. Yeah. Gang warfare is all about respect, right? Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, because because the minute you lose respect, you shoot someone in the face. <laughs> um, but then you could go, you could go to the local children's hospital at the weekend and and deliver some presents, and then yeah. all sweet. Oh, it's a bit unfair, isn't it? Go and give um, Timmy a cuddle, and all all is forgiven. I'm I'm not sure Mako has got a gang warfare murder in him. I Mako. don't know. If, if you'd have, uh, no, mate. If you'd have if you'd seen a public persona of Aaron Hernandez, you wouldn't have thought he'd have been a double murderer. That's that's true. That watch the documentary if you've not already. It's very very good. I watched it all last week while I was travelling around the place. I uh, was on, in did, America on, when did. he was arrested. Were you? Was that what you it, it was incredible. Yeah. yeah. Look at what this. <laughs> this is Doug. He likes American things now. <laughs> oh, I've been to I'm America. To Pepper from the cooler. <laughs> Surely you're on the Mountain Dew. Anyway, um, this idiot is in America. <laughs> <laughs> Crash bang! Wallet. What a video! That was a bit like a, that was the story of Aaron Hernandez's life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on that move note, and fire, move and fire. <laughs> <laughs> that that could also have happened. Again, anywhere in the centre area, they're going down. <laughs> oh, love on a on a love to end on a partridge reference. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. We got Premiership back this week. Um, I'd love to tell you what the fixtures are, but I don't know them. So go and look them up, and uh, <laughs> we'll 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 be back next week at some point. Maybe Sunday, maybe Monday. Who Might knows? Even talk about a bit of rugby. <laughs> Might do. It might I be a bit try. more relevant. Might be a bit relevant this week, but yeah, you know, I think people appreciate it more when we don't talk about rugby genuinely. So I just uh, can't wait to talk about. Oh, how wonderful Saracens are playing despite everything that's going on. Well, they're playing. Uh, they're playing Harlequins on Sunday, just to uh, yeah. let you know at the they're stoop. Harlequins are getting bummed. Friday, Friday night is Saints versus London. Are you at the, you at the Gardens Friday night, though? I am. Yeah. And Saturday, let me let me see if I can guess where you are. Uh, Worcester versus Wasps. Wrong. Bristol versus Gloucester. Wrong. Bath versus Tigers. Well, you're not even at any rugby Saturday, then, are you? Bath versus Tigers. Are you? 
which is an expanded spec this week. More cameras than usual for a non-BT game due to the fact that ITV are letting the director of the England games do a warm-up match. Well, that should be fun for you. He doesn't usually direct rugby. Oh, good. Um, you'll have to see if you can uh, get yourself on the crew for the X to Saints quarterfinal, Doug. Uh, no. <laughs> okay, then. Uh, it's been a pleasure, guys. Uh, let's uh, go, go well. Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.